Greetings, my peeps, and welcome to the All Things Basketball Podcast with your boy GD. In this episode, it's Week 15's Player Spotlight, and in light of Black History Month, we're going to cover Chuck Cooper, Earl Lloyd, and Nat Sweetwater Clifton, all guys, pioneers, instrumental to the NBA. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, guys, so we are in week 15. So this is the week 15 player spotlight. And in light of Black History Month, which we are in, I'm going to highlight this week three players. Three players that was integral to the, you know, the black players entering the league. So these are three gentlemen here. One was the first black player drafted. The other was the first black player signed to a contract. And then the third is the first black player to actually play in the game. So we're going to start with the first one drafted, and that's Chuck Cooper. Chuck Cooper, uh, six foot five, 210 pounds. Uh, he played briefly as a power forward, but mostly he was a small forward. So, born September 29th, 1926 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He was born Charles Henry Cooper. Um, his dad was a mailman while his mom was a school teacher. And he grew up in Pittsburgh. At that time, it was seg a segregated town. So or city rather so um chuck cooper attended West westinghouse high school in pittsburgh uh he, he he tried out for the basketball team and he nearly quit because he was only he he was only allowed to do the dirty work while um not he wasn't allowed to score so much so um so he just ha was fed up and was gonna leave the team and uh and that's when his coach ralph zahn zahnheiser convinced him that he had a bright future as a player so so chuck ended up staying with it and then the senior year, he recorded more than 13 points per game. He became an all-city center, and he led the team to a city championship. Then from there, Chuck Cooper enrolled, enrolled in school at college at West Virginia State College, uh, HC, HBCU <laughs> where he stayed only for one semester, actually. Uh, and remember that name, West Virginia State College, as I go through the other uh, two guys. Uh, that name's going to pop up again. He only went there for a semester. Then he was drafted by the U.S. Navy to serve during World War II. So, um, 
you're talking about back in the 1940s. So, uh, after finishing his tour of duty, he headed back to Pittsburgh, back to his hometown, and he enrolled in, at Duquesne University. And while at Duquesne, he had a pretty solid playing career there. Uh, he was a four-year starter, and he scored a school record at the time, 990 points. He led his team to two NIT tur tournaments, and then back in this this time, there was no NCAA's, uh, you know, field of 64. NIT was the tournament, so... Uh, so he led them to two NIT, uh, into two NIT tournaments. He became an All-American while there, and his team finished 78 and 19 while he was there. So, uh, so they did a lot of winning there, obviously. Of course, he faced racial animosity there. He, um, he was the first black player to play south of the Mason-Dixon line, uh, you know, in a college basketball game. So so he was a first in that regard there. Uh, upon graduating from college, he signed with the famous Harlem Globetrotters. He earned the nickname Tarzan thanks to his defensive prowess, including blocking shots. Then on April 25th, 1950, he became the first black player drafted by the NBA. He was drafted in the second round, the 13th overall pick by the Boston Celtics. Also taken in the same draft were uh, his teammate Bob Cousy, who actually went fourth overall. Uh, Bill Sharman, who later became his teammate. Uh, he was taken 17th. And then also, um, actually, Bob Cousy, he wasn't initially drafted by the Celtics. He was drafted by the Tri-City. Hold on a sec. By the Tri-City Blackhawks. And then he uh, got tr traded to the Chicago Stags, and then the Stags went under. So, uh so <laughs> that's how Bob Cousy became a Celtic in the dispersal draft. Uh, and also in that draft is Earl Lloyd. Earl Lloyd we'll be talking about later. So, and he went knife in the ninth round. He was the 101st pick overall. So when it was pointed out that uh, Chuck Cooper was black, uh, you know, during the draft, um, the Boston owner and founder Walter Brown responded to the critics and those, uh, even those within the organization. He said, I don't care if he's striped, plaid, or polka dot. All I know is the kid can play basketball, and that's all that mattered to uh, Mr. Brown. So, so. Chuck Cooper makes his NBA debut on November 1st, 1950. 
which is one day earlier than Earl Lloyd. Again, I'll talk about Earl Lloyd later. Um, while he admitted the scrutiny he f faced as a player wasn't wasn't like the scrutiny that Jackie Robinson faced three years earlier in baseball. Um, he did endure discrimination, obviously, while traveling to to the southern states. So uh, that's where he saw the most racial animosity there. So in his rookie season, he averaged 9.5 points per game and 8.5 rebounds and helped ignite Boston towards their eventual dynasty. Uh, he, although he did become in, disenchanted while in Boston because he felt he wasn't fully being utilized and he was kind of kind of the same complaint he had in college that uh, he was being relegated to do the dirty work. So he played for four seasons in Boston before being traded to the Milwaukee Hawks, who would later become the St. Louis Hawks. So, um, and then he only played there a season and a half with the with the Hawks. He was released, and then he was signed with the Fort Wayne Pistons at the time. The Fort Wayne Pistons. And he only played 32 games there before retiring from the NBA. He would then uh, join the barnstorming Harlem Magicians for a season. And then he left basketball afterwards. Um, he injured his back in a car accident in 1957. So he then left uh left playing basketball completely during that time. So uh, after re retiring from the game, he chose to distance himself from basketball, um, mo mostly mainly due to, you know, again, not feeling that he's being used to his full capacity. So he goes back to school for his master's in social work at the University of Minnesota in 1960. Uh, he devoted himself to social activism, particularly in the Pittsburgh area. He became the city's director of parks and recreation in 1970. Um, and then he would go on to the Pittsburgh National Bank and there he became their urban affairs officer there. He held a number of high-profile board positions, um, particularly in civic or, uh, organizations. Um, and then he died in February 5th, 1984 of liver cancer in Pittsburgh at the age of 57 years old. His accolades include playing six years in the NBA, playing a total of 
409 games. He averaged for his career 6.7 points per game, nearly six rebounds, 1.6 assists. He was inducted into the Pennsylvania Hall of Fame in 1974 and then in the Naismith Hall of Fame in 19, no, in 2019 as a contributor. His, he had his jersey retired at Duquesne University, his number 15 jersey retired, along with four, four other former players at Duquesne, including Norm Nixon. Um, would like to do a spotlight on him, but that's that'll be down the road. So, uh, yeah, so that is the career of Chuck Cooper, the first man drafted in the NBA. So when we come back, I will give you the next player, and he was the first player signed to an NBA contract. So I will have that for you right after these messages. <laughs> if we had commercials here, so. Uh, but <laughs> I'll be back shortly, guys, okay? All right. Okay, guys, so I gave you Chuck Cooper, who was the first player drafted in the NBA, first black player. Now we're going to talk about the first player signed to an NBA contract, and that would be Nat Sweetwater Clifton. Uh, Nat is six foot seven and 220 pounds. He mostly played power forward. He was actually born Clifton Nathaniel. Um, I'll explain that a little later. Uh, born October 13th, 1922 in England, Arkansas. This was a section in the Little Rock area of Arkansas. He got the nickname Sweetwater. Now, there's kind of conflicting uh, reports in that regard. He got the nickname Sweetwater as a youngster. Uh, initially, they said it was because of his love of soda. But actually, he got the nickname because he would mix water with sugar. Because at the time, you know, they were, um, his family wasn't of great means. So, um, and actually, soda back in those times was really expensive. Go figure. Uh, so, he would mix water with sugar, thus the name Sweet Water. So, that's how he got it. And also, eventually, it would lend itself to his kind of easygoing demeanor as well. So, his family pick up and left Arkansas and went migrated to Chicago while he was at age of eight years old. He became a sensational basketball and baseball player while while at DuSable High School in Chicago. He was known for his large hands, which served him very well in both sports, actually. And he also played softball for a team known as the Gas House Gang. The Chicago Daily News called him one of the 
two greatest high school basketball players in Illinois history. Wow. Um, that's, that's saying something there. So from DuSable High School, he went on to attend Xavier University at, and that was Xavier in Louisiana. And he only, he only, uh, he was only there one season. And this, by the way, is a HBCU as well, historically black college, uh, and then after that one season, he was drafted by the Army during World War II. So another player who's got drafted. Upon finishing his tour duty, he started playing with the Detroit Metro- Metropolitans. And then from there with the New York Rins. And the, this was a all-black barnstorming team. And then he would later go on to join the Harlem Globetrotters from 1948 to 1950. In the offseason, he would play baseball in the Negro Leagues with the Chicago American Giants. But it was because of his play with the Globetrotters that the owner of the Globetrotters, Abe Saperstein, Sold his contract to the New York Knicks for $12,500, which was a lot of money back then. Um, but only two, uh, 2500 went to, uh, went to Clifton. And of course he questioned the deal, especially in light of the fact, knowing that white players that were playing against the globe, tr- the globe trotters, were getting paid substantially more than the actual globe trotters. Go figure. Uh, nonetheless, he kept good relations with Saperstein uh, enough to play for him during the off season. So, but he would end up playing for the Knicks. Um, so he signs the contract and. He becomes the first black player to sign a contract with the with the Knicks. Uh, this is prior to Chuck Cooper getting, well, around the time he got drafted, but he wasn't signed yet. So uh, Clifton ended up being signed first before uh, Clifton. I mean, before Cooper, I'm sorry. Uh, so... So playing for the Knicks, he would soon become an important player for that team. His his teams made the NBA Finals his first three years in the league. So uh, pretty pretty good, I must say. Although he was the power forward, he um, the coach would have him defend the opponent's center. Uh, you know he. You know, being that he had some size on him, so uh, his defensive defensive assignment would was to check the the center for the opposing team. So, due to his big hands, once again, his his teammate Al, Al McGuire said he never needed stick him uh, when he had to grab the basketball, go in for a rebound, 
because of, you know, the size of his hands, he was able to cradle, cradle the ball. New York's style of play, though, was more conservative as opposed to the freewheeling style of the Globetrotters. He got along favorably with his teammates during that time as they played they play cards together while on the road. They even attended church together as well. He only had one incident versus a opposing player, and oddly enough, it was a Boston Celtic player who, by the way, had a black player at the time. So the player he had a fight with, Bob Harris, who used a race, racial slur on him. I could imagine how that played in their locker room, but that's another story. He was otherwise known as being a gentleman with a with a style with a certain style in the clothes that he would wear uh kind of reminiscent of a future nick uh walt clive frazier so uh before walt came in with his styling he had nat sweetwater clifton here he ends up making one all-star appearance in his seven seasons with the Knicks. He was traded the season after making the all-star team to the Detroit Pistons where he played one season and was unhappy with his minutes. So he retired from basketball in 1958. After the NBA, he, he went back to the Negro Leagues with ironically enough, with ex-Harlem Globetrotter Reese Goose Tatum to join the Detroit Clowns. While in retirement, he convinced he was convinced to come back and play in a startup league called the ABL for the Chicago Majors in 1961. Uh, but an injured knee forced him to retire one last time from all sports. So, uh, so while with not playing long enough in the NBA to garner a pension, he became a taxi driver, which he did for pretty much the rest of his life. Uh, he also did community work in New York City while during his playing days and even after after it. And the Associated Black Charities of New York City named an award in his name. And the Knicks actually named their monthly award the, that they give to um, those that do work in the community, uh, the Sweetwater Clifton City Spirit Award. And this was, done, this was actually implemented in 2005. Um, uh, Sweetwater Clifton would, um, he died in August 31st, 1990 in Chicago at the age of 67. And reportedly he, um, not to laugh, but reportedly in a, in a taxi cab at Union Station, Union Street Station in Chicago. So he actually died, died on duty as a cab driver. 
Wow. Yep, so his accolades are he played eight seasons in the in the M- NBA. He made one all-star appearance. Uh, he played in 144 games, averaged 10 points per game, 8.2 rebounds, 2.5 assists. He was inducted into Chicago's 16-inch Softball Hall of Fame. He was inducted in the Black Athletes Hall of Fame in 1970, and then in the Naismith Hall of Fame in 1914 as a contributor. So, so that is the career of Nat Sweetwater Clifton, uh, the first man to sign an NBA contract. And when we come back, I will give you the first black player to actually play in the NBA. So, uh, one more, uh, one more go around here, guys. So, when we come back, I will have that player coming up. Okay, guys, so I gave you the first black player to be drafted in the NBA. I gave you the first black player to sign an NBA contract. Now we end with the first black player to play in the NBA. And that that goes to Earl Lloyd, also known as the Big Cat. And the Moon Fixer. Wow. We'll learn about those nicknames and so forth uh, in a little bit. He's 6'5", 200 pounds. He played small forward throughout his NBA career. He was born April 3rd, 1928 in Alexandria, Virginia. And he was born under the name Earl Francis Lloyd. His father, Theodore, worked in the coal business while his mother, Daisy, was a stay-at-home mom. So He had a terrific high school basketball career at Parker Gray High School, which was a segregated school at the time. Uh, while there, he was named All-State All Virginia and. In- Interscholastic Conference Player uh, two times, and then All South Atlantic Conference Player three times. So uh, he left. Um, so he finished up high school in 1946. He earned a scholarship at West Virginia State University, H HBCU. And he arrived one year after Chuck Cooper went there. So that's why I said, um, you know, they, they kind of parallel here. So uh, he had a stellar career there. Uh, his sophomore year, they went undefeated at 30-0. and 0. And in his senior year, he averaged 14 points per game and eight rebounds. And... His team finished second in the conference. They have two Central Intercollegiate Athletic Association, CIAA, conference and tournament champions. So so he did that twice in 1948 and 1949. 
Three times he was named All-Conference. Twice he was named All-American. And he was nicknamed Moonfixer because of his defensive prowess and his size. So he earned a Bachelor of Science degree in physical education. Uh, he graduated in 1950. He was drafted in the 1950 draft. But in the ninth round, he was the hundred and first pick overall by the Washington Capitals. So, uh, of course, this is the same draft with Chuck Cooper, um, Bob Cousy, and Bill Sharman, who I mentioned earlier. Um, he played. He played his first game on Halloween of. 1950 so one day before Chuck Cooper and then four days before Sweetwater Clifton in uh, that game that he played was against the Rochester Royals he only played seven games as a rookie of uh, because why the team folded in 1951 and then <laughs> then after the team folding he gets drafted to serve in the U.S. Army, uh, and he served at Fort Sill in Oklahoma. Uh, he was drafted to fight in the Korean War at the time. After serving, the Syracuse Nationals claimed him off of waivers in 1952, so he had a short stint in, uh, in the service. He would lead the league in personal fouls and with disqualifications in 1953 54 season. So, it's not something to uh, be too proud of, but it is what it is. So, he had his most successful season in the 1954 55 season by helping the Syracuse Nationals win an NBA title. And in that season, he had uh, 10.2 points per game, 7.7 rebounds, and a little over two assists. And then Earl Lloyd and his teammate Jim Tucker became the first black players to play in the NBA Finals. So uh, he played six seasons with the Syracuse Nationals before being traded to Detroit. Uh, and he was actually traded for cash because uh, the franchise was kind of struggling there. He stayed in Detroit two seasons and retired in 1961. He said he, he didn't face the racial friction among his teammates and his opponents. The only racial racial animosity that came his way was from when he went to visiting cities and of course opposing fans in fact one fan actually spit on him in indiana indiana of course not not surprised with that anyway um he recalled that when he that what he went through was nothing like what Jackie Robinson face. Why? Because integration was taking place in college, which kind of softened the situation as the 
as he went into the NBA. And then remember, too, it wasn't just him who um, stepped into into the NBA at that time. It was also Chuck Cooper, and it was Nat Sweetwater Clifton as well. So it was three guys who uh, broke ground in the NBA. So kind of softened the blow there. Post-playing career, he became an assistant coach for the Detroit Pistons and actually breaking another barrier, the first black uh, assistant coach. That's what he uh, ended up doing there. So uh, he became the head coach in 1971-72 season, uh, finished 22-50. and 50. Well, Actually, no, he finished 20-50. and 50. And then after a 2-5 and five start the next season, he was fired. So he would remain on with Detroit as a scout for five more seasons. And he would discover players like Bale, um, he actually drafted ba- Bailey Howell, uh, Willis, Willis Reed is a player he discovered, Earl Monroe, and Wally Jones. After basketball was done, he worked in the Detroit public school system, helping underprivileged kids get workplace skills. So. He also worked for the Bing Group as a community relation director. The Bing Group, of course, uh, named after its founder, Dave Bing. Uh, I need to do a spotlight on him as well. Uh, So, and and this he did during the 1990s. And then he died in, on February 26th, 2015 and he uh he died in Fairfield Glade Tennessee and he died at the age of 86 his accolades include uh being inducted into the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame in 1993 the CAA Hall of Fame in 1998 and then the Michigan Sports Hall of Fame in 19, and actually no, in 2012. Both the mayor of Alexandria and the Virginia governor declared February 9, 2001 as Earl Lloyd Day. He was inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame in 2003 as a contributor. Uh, the... And then he, the, on the National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics, the NAIA, uh, he made the 25th and the 50th anniversary team there. Uh, he had a basketball court on TC at TC Williams High School, named after him in 2007. TC Williams, who's that? That's the coach. That's the inspiration behind uh, Remember the Titans. That movie with Denzel Washington. His statue, Earl Lloyd statue, that is, now stands at uh, West Virginia State University, and that was done in 2014. And also, an end season tournament was named after him during that same year. 
Him, along with seven others, including Alonzo Mourning, were honored in the Library of Virginia as strong men and women in Virginia history. So, um, pretty, pretty big accolade there. And then he had a road name after him that's on the college campus, which is called Earl Lloyd Way, and that happened in 2018. So, so we salute the pioneers. Earl Lloyd, first black player to play in the NBA. Chuck Cooper, the first black player drafted. And then Nat Sweetwater Clifton, the first black player to sign an NBA contract. So, so that is it, guys. That is the spotlight for this week. I figured since it's Black History Month, uh, I should stay in line with that. So, uh, so there we have it. So, um, so guys, next week, I will probably have, yeah, uh, we're going to have uh, someone to honor in light of I'm going to keep that under my lid. So uh, you will know soon enough, guys. So, all right. But for now, we're going to end it here. Thanks once again for listening and be safe. Take care. So, my peeps, if you enjoy what you're listening to, you can follow me on my Facebook page, GD That Sports Dude. You also can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at GD That Sports Dude. And also on Twitter, you can find me at GD That Sport Dude. Also, you can email me at that sports dude GD at gmail.com. You can also support me through my Zelle at that same email address. And also on anchor.fm slash GD That Sports Dude. You can hit the support button there to contribute to this podcast and also like me there as well. And again, I thank you for listening to this content.